Well, hello, and welcome back to The Kitchen Table with Arctic Eric. This is the fourth part of uh, a series here where we're looking very, very specifically at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And I hope you're enjoying being here with me at The Kitchen Table. If you haven't heard the first three conversations, I encourage you to do it. As I say, this is part four. We're going to begin today with verse 8 in Ephesians chapter 2. So let's go for it. And listen, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with me at the kitchen table. The title of this is God Saved You. And I take that because that's the first three words in verse 8 in the, uh, what is it, the New Living Translation. As you know, I often refer to other translations as we go, and we'll continue to do that here at the kitchen table. God saved you by his grace when you believed. How did he save you? Well, he saved you through his strength, power, and ability, his grace working upon you when you believed. Faith is a part of it. There are a lot of folks that focus only on grace alone, or faith alone, or Christ alone, or scripture alone. Listen, it's a package deal. We don't separate it. You're saved by faith through grace, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as he is revealed in the scriptures. So let's not separate it out. God saved you through your faith. Through your faith what? Through that gift of faith that every man has, that gift that comes even more alive as we hear the good news, the gospel message, faith in Jesus Christ. Well, what does scripture say? Well, Paul writes here in Romans that it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. The moment you believe the good news, the gospel message that Christ himself in obedience to the good will of the good Father, that Christ went to the cross for sin, your sin, my sin, and the sin of the world, that he died, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead, justifying all who believe. So at the moment you believe in your heart, that deepest part of your personality, the hidden man of the heart, you're made right with God. You have done nothing other than you've heard the good news and in your heart you believe it and you're made right with God. And the first fruit of that transformation, that new birth, that conversion, is that you will openly declare your faith that you are saved. And the scripture tells us for you and for me and for anyone who trusts in him, Jesus, will never be disgraced. Isn't that marvelous? Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, will be rescued, will be delivered, will receive eternal life as they receive the eternal one, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So we cannot take credit for this. It's a gift goes on there in verse 8. It is a gift. You are delivered from judgment and given eternal life. It's a gift through faith. And 
It's not from our own effort. It's not from your own effort. It is a gift of God. Listen, salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. And I'm sure you've done good things, but so have sinners. That's right. So if it's not a reward for the good things we've done, then what does that mean? Well, it means we can't boast about anything we've done. We can't take any credit for being saved. He did it. He drew us. He enabled us through his amazing grace and through the the power that is in the gospel message so that we could freely and willingly make a choice to believe. And at that moment, we become saved. Now, I think an important thing that we want to think about today and talk about here today at the kitchen table is you don't gain salvation through works, nor, oh, I hope you're listening today, nor do you maintain salvation by your works. Listen, in the same way you meet him, that is the way we're to live our life in fellowship with him. That's right. And how do we meet him? Well, we meet him because by grace we believed. That's right. We received when we believed, and that's how we live our life. You say, but how can God work if I don't do the work? Well, listen, he who began the good work in you, that's God, he will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. And we see when Paul makes that declaration to you and me that God will complete it, he has sandwiched that phrase, that important sentence, between two words called grace. And and he says, uh, two verses later, he said, listen, I can say this about you because you're a partaker, you're a receiver, you're trusting in God's amazing grace because it's God who's going to complete the work in you. Marvelous, isn't it? He is Lord and he is able. Verse 10, For you, for we, are God's masterpiece, God's handiwork. That's right. We're his workmanship. We're recreated. We're created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Listen, he has a plan for your life. He has planned for you to experience his goodness and the good things that he's prepared in advance for you to do. And how do you do it? You do it the same way you meet him, by trusting him as he reveals his will for your life, that you embrace him, and thereby you embrace his will, and you submit and commit your life to him, that he will in fact do all that he has planned for your life and for for my life. Listen, he's decided beforehand what paths he wants you to take so that you would walk in them living that new eternal good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. 
It's prepared by him as we follow him into the great and wonderful and marvelous things he has planned for us. But of course, if there's going to be a resurrection of Christ in your life, if you're going to be, quote, raised from being a a dead man to being alive in God, there is a cost. It's going to cost you your three best friends in a way, me, myself, and I. What does that mean? It means Christ becomes your all in all. Christ becomes your life, your eternal life. And it isn't about your thoughts, your dreams, and your desires, but it's about his thoughts, which are higher than ours, his dreams, which are prepared in advance for us to do and to walk in. Isn't that tremendous? Listen, Jesus is not the icing on your cake. No, he's the entire cake. He's the whole deal. He's the everything. And he has this fullness for you, this new life for you. Will you receive it daily? Will you live in it daily? Will you walk in it daily? But how, you say? Well, the how is actually a who. Who will live it? Well, there is a person living on the inside of you. He is the person of the Holy Spirit, also called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of Jesus, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ, all rolled up into the Holy Spirit, the one who lives in you, the one who lives in you to express the transformational life in you and through you, to make it alive in Scripture that this is what God wants to do. This is what God wants to change in your life. This is what God wants to do through your life. Will you allow him to do it? Don't fall into the trap of trying to complete in the flesh what God has begun in the Spirit. No, the same way you received him is the way you live your life in him through faith and hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as revealed in Scripture. Oh, we thank the Lord today for these 10 verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10 that we've had an opportunity to talk about here at the kitchen table. Listen, I say again and again, thanks for being here with me, and I want to pray a prayer that I enjoy praying for you so immensely. Here we go. Father, I ask you that for my listener right now, that you're good perfect, and acceptable will be done for them, in them, and through them to others today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Good day.